The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, I think I'll get started here. So first of all, I wanted to say welcome. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Diana Clark. And um, I'm really looking forward to uh, exploring this topic with you all. Many of you know that I teach um, what we call happy hour here at uh, IMC on Wednesday afternoons. And I'm taking this opportunity to kind of expand a little bit on what I've been teaching at happy hour. So it's meant to be complementary as opposed to just a reiteration of those types of things. And on the calendar, there's another class that has just the exact same title and description. And it's, I believe, I can't remember now, right now, if it's in June or July. And that will be taught by Nikki, who teaches Happy Hour as well. And she'll be doing something completely different than what I'm doing. So there's a, there's, this is a rich topic, and there's so many different ways in, and things like this. And both Nikki and I will record them. So if you're interested, there's... Lots of support for some loving-kindness practice. So what am I going to do with these uh, four weeks? I would like us to explore the Brahma Viharas. This is a Pali word. Often, if we were to translate it, we could translate it as divine abodes, heavenly realms, um, divine abidings, these types of things. But mostly we leave it untranslated because that's not really what it is. It's not hanging out in some blissed out state necessarily. So the Brahma Viharas. Maybe I'll start with a little bit. Um, there's four of them. And the first one is loving kindness, which is a translation of this word metta, M-E-T-T-A. What is metta? Manta is a maturation, an expansion, a exalted form of love. We all know love. We all know this idea of having a warm feeling, caring about, paying attention to those who are dear to us. And metta takes that feeling, that sensation, that experience, and really expands it into a way that's unconditional in a way that persists despite obstacles in a way that doesn't have any partiality in a way that is pervasive beautiful chances are that your everyday experience of love is not quite this unconditional kind you're not loving the person that cuts you off in traffic just the same as you love uh, people in your family or those who are dear to you And so naturally, it's something that we can cultivate and develop. We build on something, a natural capacity that we already have. And we just grow it, allow it to grow at whatever pace is natural for us. So with this growing of love, it's natural that if we can imagine that kind of love, metta, pervading outward from us, it's just natural that it's going to meet or see or come upon someone who is having difficulties, who is suffering, who is having a hard time. That person may be ourselves, may be somebody else. So when this love meets suffering, it gets transformed into compassion, 
compassion, this wish for the suffering to end, for there, for the individual, the being that is suffering to experience well-being rather than suffering. So that's the second Brahma Vihara, is compassion. It may also be that as this love expands, it meets uh, individuals, beings who are happy, who have are experiencing joy, who are have sense of well-being. In that case, this love gets transformed into what we call sympathetic joy. I'm not sure that's the best translation, but this way that we're just happy because they're happy. We can think of the experience when somebody dear to you gets the job that they really wanted, gets the, receives really good news from the doctor's office, or whatever it might be, you know, that we delight in their happiness. That's sympathetic joy. The third Brahma Vihara. And then there may, might be the case that this love, as it expands, meets individuals for whom we cannot um, help or we aren't necessarily delighting in their happiness, but instead we're cultivating a sense of balance and ease within ourselves, recognizing that they are the uh, experience the consequences of their own actions. And there's so much that we can do to affect the, the, those consequences. And when love meets that, it gets transformed into equanimity, this kind of this balance of mind, this openness. So in these four weeks, my intention is to start with metta, loving kindness. And the, uh, next week we'll do compassion. The third week we'll do sympathetic joy. And the fourth week we'll do equanimity. And with all of these practices, my emphasis is going to be we're going to start where it's easy. There's no reason to make this hard. There's no reason to make this complicated. There's no reason to make this difficult. Instead, what often happens is as we try maybe to um, go quickly with this practice and expand it more and more, probably everybody in this room has learned about uh, loving kindness or all of these Brahma Viharas for more and more difficult people. But it's very easy for um, some aver- some um, self-criticism to slip in there. Like, ah, oh, I'm having difficulty giving loving kindness to this person. I'm having difficulty having compassion for this type of person. And then just through quietly through the back door, there can be this self-critical voice, which is not the direction we want to go. So for me, the way that I'm going to teach it here, I'm just going to emphasize starting where it's easy and cultivating, tending to, developing that. Allowing that to be a foundation. It's the nature of loving kindness and all these Brahma Viharas to grow. We don't have to force it to grow. We don't have to make it to grow. If we just tend to cultivate what's already there, it will grow. That being said, it's perfectly legitimate and worthwhile to have other um, uh, ways in where perhaps we are pushing our boundaries a little bit and um, trying to develop these Brahma Viharas in areas where it's not so easy. It's a perfectly legitimate way to do it. 
for this series, I'm going to emphasize, let's start where it's easy. And let's nourish ourselves. Let's um, cultivate these experiences, these sensations, these qualities of mind, so that they can support us, so that they can guide us, so that they can influence us. And then trust that they will grow. So how do they, how do we cultivate and develop this loving kindness, which is the Brahma Vihara, the focus um, for today? How do we cultivate and develop it so that it can become more unconditional, more enduring, more stable, more nourishing? Of course, the common way to do this is with meditation practice. But before we get to meditation practice in particular, I want to say something in general, that um, it's important for us to do this meditation practice in a way where we're cultivating a sense of well-being and ease. That means we also want our bodies to have some ease, to have some well-being. So in this meditation practice in particular, it's really helpful and supportive to adopt a posture where you're not struggling, where there isn't a lot of bodily pain coming in, where there isn't a lot of bodily um, sensations that are kind of drawing our attention away. So this includes, if you would like to lie down for this meditation, or if you feel like you need to carefully, gently, quietly shift your posture, you're welcome to do so. With meditation practice, there may be a more emphasis on staying and exploring and being with some uncomfortable sensations. And we'll let that happen in mindfulness practice. But here with loving-kindness practice, just take this opportunity to take care of yourself. We're trying to... Loving-kindness practice is a way of caring for ourselves and struggling with one's postures. While it can be done, it's not so easy to do, to take care of ourselves at the same time while we're struggling or have that feeling of struggling. So there's two really different ways in which we can do this meditation practice with um, loving-kindness. For those of you who have been going to um, happy hour, you know that I'm often teaching this one particular way, which is a classic way that's been taught in the Buddhist tradition for a long time. With lots of different ways, with lots of um, you know variations, permutations, but with this basic idea. I'll describe this briefly, and then um, I'll describe um, an alternative way. So the first way is that in order to cultivate um, our intention, maybe I should say this, in order to support our intention to cultivate metta or loving kindness, we do a practice that has three aspects to it. And you might, fi- you might find that uh, one of these aspects is, is more available, more accessible, easier, 
than any of than the other three. And we'll be doing some of this uh, today in just a moment here. So the three aspects are to visualize or bring to mind someone for whom uh, this feeling of loving kindness can be readily felt, readily comes to mind, where it's easy. So this might be somebody for whom you feel a lot of gratitude toward, a lot of warmth toward, a lot of care and respect. It might be puppies, babies, kittens. It might be a spiritual leader, somebody with whom you don't actually know. You don't have a relationship with, but when you bring them to mind, there's this feeling of warmth. And then we use that as a foundation and can expand. The second aspect is to use any bodily sensations that are associated with this warmth, this care, love, respect, to support us. Those of you who have a meditation practice, I'm sure you're discovering how linked the body and the mind are, and we can use that to support our practice. So if the body might have a feeling of spaciousness or warmth or something along those lines, we can dip into that and allow it to be there and notice it and see it. And then the third aspect to help uh, um, cultivate loving kindness is we say phrases. There's nothing magical about these phrases. Where, um, the phrases that uh, Nikki and I are using in happy hour are um, based on phrases that uh, Sharon Salzberg uses. And she's credited with bringing this practice to America from Asia. So it's a little bit of a bow to her. And also just offer it as a starting point. These phrases don't have to be exactly this. They can be something else that um, touches your heart or resonates with you in some kind of way. So that's the first way, first type of meditation practice. The second type of meditation practice is to use just visualizations. To imagine a scenario, a, an experience, a scene, a story, uh, and objects that somehow make us happy inside or have this sense of warmth and openness and spaciousness inside. And then we just kind of cultivate this visualization, this imagination, this story, and allow it to allow ourselves to feel that experience, allow ourselves to allow that experience to grow and pervade our bodies. And then allow it to get bigger and bigger. It's a very different feeling. No, let's say this. It's a different way in, but it may be the same feeling. And the way that we may like use sensations in the body to support us. And instead of using phrases to come back to, to support our intention, we come back to the visualization, to kind of the story that we're building or the scenario that we're building. And I'll guide us through some of that kind of guided uh, meta meditation today too.
And then encouragement is explore, experiment. Make this practice your own. There's no one exact, precise way to do this. What you can do as a guidance in terms of what feels like your way to cultivate loving kindness. So just periodically check in. Does it feel like loving kindness is growing? Does it feel like there's this little, maybe it's a corner of our experience where well-being is being nourished or cultivated? And if that isn't the case, if instead you're noticing where you're bumping up or um, coming in contact with some of the barriers to loving kindness, some of the hindrances to loving kindness, some of the obstacles to loving kindness, that's perfectly natural. This happens to everybody sooner or later in your loving kindness practice. You start to be reminded of all those ways in which loving kindness isn't felt by you or isn't being expressed. And then there, you can use for a guidance, maybe just this very gentle inquiry. Is it useful for me to stay here and to be with these obstacles, barriers? If so, then those of you who have a mindfulness practice, you can switch over to just be mindfulness of the aversion, of the ill will, of the self-criticism, and uh, experience that. And maybe that's the rest of your meditation period. Or maybe you just let that recede in the background and put a little more effort into the loving-kindness practice. So I just kind of want to normalize that, you know, we're creating the conditions for loving-kindness to arise. But of course it doesn't mean it's going to arise. And that part of the power of this practice is a kind of a cleansing of that which isn't loving-kindness, that which isn't supportive of well-being. So we each have to find our own way with that. So my hope here is to give you a little bit of tools, some things to experiment with, to play with, some things to maybe be on the lookout for. I'm a type of person who loves to do that with meditation practice. And if that's if you're a type of person that likes to experiment and play, then you're welcome to do that. But also sometimes it can be helpful to just make a commitment. Okay, I'm going to do this every day in this manner, at this time, at this minute. Just make a commitment and do it. Even if it's difficult or even if it's you don't feel like doing it and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Maybe you should you could do that, have that approach, that attitude. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. Some teachers lean towards you must have discipline and commitment and some uh, teachers lean towards experiment and play. My personal preference is to experiment and play. But you, you know yourself better. So use a way that supports you and supports uh, your loving kindness and Brahma Vihara practice. Yeah, then maybe I'll say one more thing about this love, this loving kindness, care, respect, warmth that we're developing and cultivating. 
there's a lot of emphasis or there's also a lot of um, teachings on just being with our experience, mindfulness, just being mindful of what we're experiencing. This is a really powerful transformative practice to be with what we're experiencing in a way that allows for that experience to be there, in a way that doesn't make that experience bad or try to push it away, but instead to actually be with that experience and to see it clearly. Sounds pretty straightforward. For those of you who have have a mindfulness practice, you know it's not always so easy. But if you do some mindfulness practice and you find that the mind is quieting down and you're perhaps able to see or to be with whatever is arising, you might discover that this feeling of being mindful, of being with our experience, it might just be the same experience as loving. Seeing clearly and loving might be the two sides of the same coin. In the same way, these two different practices, mindfulness and cultivating loving kindness, can lead to the heart's mm, innermost, the mind's quietest experience. And I think we all know that kind of loving, maybe seen in a way of tending to, caring about, allows people, allows aspects of ourselves to blossom, to grow. So in this way, loving kindness practice is a way in which beautiful aspects of our hearts and minds can grow, in which it can support mindfulness practice, in which it can support greater and greater freedom, greater and greater ease, greater and greater peace, both in ourselves and how we just show up in the world so that it can bleed out of us, leak out of us, and benefit to everybody, everybody we come into contact with. So while it might seem like, okay, this is just a way to feel better and you know, have some more um, sense of love, and it certainly can be that, and that alone can be healing and, and tremendously helpful, this, power, this practice also has the power to be transformative. So with that as an introduction, let's do some loving-kindness practice, some meditation practice. In preparation for that, you can take any posture that you think is comfortable. You're welcome to go back and get some cushions if you'd like to. Or and it's a little tricky. This is something that we often can discover with practice is how to have some 
alertness as well as some ease. How can we have some ease without having complacency? How can we have some com- some commitment to practice at the same time feeling relaxed? This is a skill, something that might need to be practiced and cultivated in itself. And you're welcome to move the chairs anywhere you want to. And I see some of you lying down fantastic. And that's helpful. So in whichever posture you're in, see if you can bring some alertness. So rather than a sinking in, can there be some uprightness? at the same time that there's some ease. Then we'll begin with three long, slow, deep breaths. And allowing with these breaths, with the exhale, for there to be some sort of letting go, some relaxation, maybe some softening of any tension. And then allowing the breath to return to normal. And trusting that the body knows how to breathe. Start with a gentle body scan. Just to allow any areas of tension to soften, to to relax. And check in with maybe the head and the face. There might be some tightness around the eyes, around the jaw, or maybe around the shoulders. See if you can allow them to just be as they are. Without making any tension be a problem, upper back, the lower back, the chest, and the belly. There might be a certain openness or letting go. Allowing sounds to be here, they don't have to be a problem. Feel the floor, the cushion, the chair against your body. Feel supported. You're here. Now. The legs and the feet. The arms 
and the hands. Now we'll do just a little bit of mindfulness of breathing. That is just resting your awareness on the sensations of breathing. Feeling the movement of the abdomen, the movement of the chest, or maybe the feeling of air going in and out of the nose. Just very simply resting our awareness there. Again, allowing any sounds to be there. They don't have to be any problem. If you find your mind lost in thought, just very simply begin again with the sensations of breathing. You might notice the feeling of movement. How does it feel from the inside? It's the nature of the mind to want to think. So if you find yourself thinking, it doesn't have to be a problem. Just simply begin again. is to bring the mind back to the sensations of breathing. It does not matter. It does not matter how many times you have to bring the mind back. You have to bring the mind back. You get the opportunity to bring the mind back. And it's that same movement of bringing the mind to the sensations of breathing after being lost in thought. That same movement will bring to loving kindness practice. So now to begin loving kindness practice, bring to mind a lovable being someone, some being for whom it's easy to feel loving kindness, to feel warmth, care, respect, connection,
kind-heartedness. As I said, this might be somebody you know, maybe you don't know, or maybe it's just a cute creature. The key is to have an uncomplicated relationship with the object of metta. bringing this being to mind. You can see if there's any feeling in the body that's associated with them being here, being in the mind. It's perfectly fine if there is no sensation, it's perfectly fine. But there might be a little warmth in the heart, heart area. Maybe a softening. Maybe a little corner of experience that has a sense of ease. If so, you can allow that feeling to be there. Again, it doesn't have to be your dominant experience. Maybe just a little corner of your experience. And then to support our intention to be cultivating loving kindness, can repeat the phrases silently in the mind. I'll lead us. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be happy. Be healthy. May you live with ease.
May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. You might want to check in with the body. See if there are any feelings of spaciousness, warmth, love, well-being, happiness. And if if so, allowing those feelings to grow. We're not making anything, we're not forcing anything. We're allowing. And again, it's okay, it's perfectly okay if there aren't any such sensations in the body. I'll be silent here for a bit. You can practice at your own pace. Just as there was this movement of bringing the mind back to the sensations of breathing, we can use the phrases to move the mind, to bring the mind back to to our intention of cultivating loving-kindness.
May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. Allow yourself to feel this wish for this lovable being to have safety and health. Allow yourself to feel this wish of goodwill for them. What does that feel like? And then to end this meditation, feel the ground or the chair or the cushion against your body. Feel your feet on the ground. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. So with that guided meditation, I started us off with a few long, slow, deep breaths, just as a way, as twofold, to connect us to our experience. And sometimes just taking long breaths is easeful. Then we do the scan of the body, again with this idea of supporting a sense of well-being and ease. Then we started with some mindfulness of breathing, and that was for a few reasons. One, to just get used to this idea or the experience of bringing the mind back, of intentionally moving the mind a particular direction, a particular way, that we can do this. We can cultivate different um, experiences with the mind by intentionally putting it on different objects, if you will. But also, doing mindfulness of breathing provides us with an alternative if we feel like loving kindness is, um, isn't the right practice at that moment. Again, each of you might uh, discover this in your own way. But it can be that there be some overwhelming feelings that come up. And if it feels like it's not skillful, it's not wise to be with them, you can always switch over to this other practice, mindfulness of breathing. And then with loving kindness, you, there's this visual, uh, this bringing to mind a certain type of visualization, um, the bodily experience, 
and phrases. And as I said, there's nothing magic about these phrases. You're welcome to modify them. But some of the keys, to, if you are to modify them, is to keep them simple and to kind of keep them general. Something um, that's not necessarily specific for an individual. For example, if you were wanting to cultivate loving kindness towards somebody you have a relationship with, it's not so much may you um, get over that cough that you have, but may you be healthy or may you be happy. Some kind of general ideas. Okay, so I've done a lot of talking here. Um, now I'd like to open up to you. If you have some questions or your, some comments, what was that experience like? There's questions about some clarification. Maybe you'd like to share some phrases that you are using that resonate with you, that seem more meaningful for you rather than the ones that I'm offering. Or something else that you'd like to say. And I'd like us to use the microphone. Some of us are using um, hearing-assisted devices just so that everybody can hear, that all of us can participate. Yeah, Mitra, thank you. If you want to take a microphone, that'd be great. A couple of questions. Um, First one is the, the person that I'm thinking these thoughts of um, I feel like the people that are that I that are easy that I have a good relationship with or easy but I those people I want them to be so happy that when I think about them it it becomes difficult I, I, I get tight because I feel like I want them to be happy so much that I can't just I it, it doesn't it's not easy after after a bit of thinking about it it becomes like it's so tight mm-hmm. so is it because those people are difficult I mean they're not difficult people but is it because I want it so much should I change the person or should I um I don't know what to do yeah I'm going to talk about this in just a moment so yeah this is such a great point, right? It's so easy that we can start to like, oh yeah, I really want them to be, but and if they're not, then X, Y, Z, something's going to happen, or we can start to feel a kind of a contraction about our wish, our sincere wish for them to be happy. There's a few things. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit in uh, more in a minute, but right now I'll say, why don't you explore and see how it is? What if you imagine? rather than a person with whom you have a relationship with, um, kittens or puppies or kind of maybe some more generic feeling. Because the the practice here is to strengthen, bolster, um, I'll use those words, the, the feeling of loving kindness, the sensation. And if we find that we easily slip off of that, then there's maybe one way is to find another uh, another being and then in a moment I'll talk about what to do about kind of the, the tightness this kind of this grasping that can go on with that but thank you Mitra this is a not an uncommon experience thank you 
Yeah, and can you tell me your name? Uh, yes, I'm Vikram. Vikram? Vikram with a V. Vikram, that's right. You told me this before, and I think last time I said it with a B, and you... Actually, this is my first time here. So. Oh, it isn't? Okay, so it's not the first. You didn't tell me that before. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, um, Vikram. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> so I had a similar question or experience about... I felt like the loving kindness started to come out, and I actually noticed a smile come to my face, and it became easier. So that was my experience. I guess a question I have is, I know with a lot of, so I have more experience actually with Zen uh, practice. Um, but I know like with this, these types of practices, it's kind of, it is a practice where you start maybe with something easy and then you kind of gradually build. So is that the idea here as well, where maybe you start with something easy and then you, you move on to some of the more, you know, some of the objects or people you have more complicated Emotions towards. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Start where it's easy. Start yeah. where it's easy. And just let the mind and the heart and the body get used to having that experience of loving kindness or metta or wishing goodwill, whatever words we want to use. Just gain some familiarity with that. And allow ourselves to be nourished, to be supported, to be um, to take it in. And then somehow when that happens, then it becomes a little bit easier to expand it out and out and to deal with some of the difficulties or complicating emotions that come up. But it's so pervasive, this idea that if it's you know, this idea of no pain, no gain, we kind of think like we have to go where it's difficult and work with those really rough spots. But this practice is a little bit different, is let's build with something that's a positive experience and just allow that to grow. Maybe I'll just say that simply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Thank Thanks. you, Vikram. Does anybody else have a comment they'd like to make or Thank you. So I found um uh I made two modifications. Um because the may you be healthy with the the lovable being it's usually okay to do that in this instance it it was a lovable being it wasn't as much okay because healthy just feels too high a bar so I added as you can be so it's may you be as healthy as you can be not putting it on the person but um I think there are gradations that um, it just seems too wishful yeah. to just say healthy. Yeah. And um, in similar with um, happy, <laughs> I feel like a bummer. <laughs> I'm the downer of the group. Um, with happy, it feels, um, again, almost too grandiose, I guess in the way it's in my head as happy. So I changed it to may you find joy, and that felt more moments versus a pervasive happiness, which also felt a little difficult to grasp. So um, I don't always feel like I need to change it for whatever reason today I did, so I just wanted to share that. Oh, thank you, Susan. And so when you made those changes, did you find that there was a little bit like, oh, a little relaxation ease, like, yeah, this this feels more authentic, more doable. Yeah, in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Like in the realm of me not wishing things that never could happen. Yeah. Um, And also, 
I don't know how to say it, more tolerable for the person. Not that I'm going to say it to them, but if that's how I'm feeling towards them, it's something achievable versus something my expectation for them is beyond their control or what they could actually achieve. So it almost feels like an unfair expectation. Yeah, yeah. And what you're pointing to, so thank you for doing that, and thank you for offering that. I think that's fantastic. And what you're pointing to is something that's really interesting and something that we can explore is, so one is we're cultivating a state of mind, experience of loving kindness. And, And we're doing that by wishing things for somebody else. But we can... Do we expect that our wishes, that the the object of our loving kindness is going to be changed or modified because of it? Or are we just using it as a way to cultivate particular experiences? And maybe sometimes it's more one than the other. Maybe it depends on the object. I'm using the object to mean a lovable being or something like this. Or does it depend on how we're feeling that day? Or right? But there's two things happening. And I would... And just yeah, just notice, just notice whether it's um, you're able to really sink in or to experience this, just whatever that feeling might be. And so your adaptation of the changes that you made sounds like just enabled you to, um, like the realm of possibility. So you're not fighting with the some yeah, idea. It felt more authentic. Yeah, I yeah. guess that's the. Thank and you. I was able to settle in with it then. It just was feeling uncomfortable a little before. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Perfect. I think that's really great. Yeah, so maybe I'll say a little bit about some of these things. So it can be really nice. I can sit here and say, oh, yeah, we're going to cultivate loving kindness. <laughs> but let's be honest, right? There's barriers. There's difficulties. There's obstacles. There's hindrances. There's things that get in the way or make it, make it more challenging. There's a number of them, but one of uh, two of them I want to highlight right now is one that Mitra was pointing to just a moment ago, and that is this uh, this real strong sense of desire, this real strong wish that somehow has a flavor of like this grasping. I'm doing this with my hands, kind of make it fist, this clinging or this um, this. Um, wanting more somehow. It's a perfectly natural experience. Right? We probably have this experience throughout our day and all kinds of things. And it seems like, well, this is a sincere wish for their well-being. So of course we're going to like slip into this. But we might discover that um, when, the, when there is this sense of grasping or clinging or wanting and I'll maybe even go so far as to say like this greediness um, it's not always that way right it's a big spectrum or this sense of really being attached to it we might notice that it kind of creates some divisiveness like okay this is good that isn't good Um, I want this I don't want that so instead of being like a general feeling that can grow and expand it, instead, it tends to like contract the mind where it uh, shirks away from what it doesn't want and is kind of like grasping after what it does want. So in this way, it's not helpful or supportive for loving-kindness practice. 
So there's a number of ways that we can work with this. One is to recognize that what we really want for ourselves, maybe, maybe, um, is a sense of ease, a sense of spaciousness, a sense of certain type of um, relaxation, more than just like bodily relaxation, but a certain type of softening of this wish for things to be different. What we wish it for is a sense of caring, like that we care, we want the other person to feel cared for, a sense of connection, a sense of maybe a wish for that person to feel their connection to ourselves or to other beings, other things. We're here cultivating, I keep on using this word, well-being and peace. So can we tap into those that sense of wish for care in a way that is caring? Can we tap into, instead of they need to be a particular way, can there just be a sense of care and connection in a way that feels a little bit, um, instead of things needing, needing to be a particular way, safe, happy, healthy, easeful, right? Instead it can, no, just a, just a sense of connection. That might be more helpful. And then we can remind ourselves that we cannot control the uncontrollable. Often this sense of desire or slipping into this real uh, constriction stems from wanting to control. Perfectly natural. We want to do this. Can we soften that? Can we recognize, oh yeah, I want, I'm trying to control this, like with my mind somehow trying to make something happen. And if we are finding that this is our dominant experience, we're just trying to control the uncontrollable and then that gets us tied up in a knot. A few things we can do. We can bring mindfulness practice to the experience of trying to control the uncontrollable and feel the stress of that. Feel the uncomfortableness of that. Feel the like, oh my God, this is awful feeling because... There's a part of us that knows you can't control the uncontrollable, but there's other part of us that doesn't want to kind of admit that. So there's this like incessant, like, yeah, but, yeah, but, kind of wanting to manipulate, manufacture, control, engineer things that we can't manipulate, manipulate, control, manufacture, engineer. So one, recognize that we often are trying to control the uncontrollable. If that's pervasive and dominant, you can kind of in some way abandon loving kindness practice and do maybe bring some care, some openness to that experience. That's one thing. Two, maybe just allow this to very to be there, this sense of wanting to control the uncontrollable, be there and maybe choose another being kittens and puppies, some generic kittens and puppies, where it's a little bit easier. 
So just allow it to be there. Don't make it a problem. If, but if you can, not have it be the dominant experience. Instead, kind of intentionally bring your mind towards this feeling of this um, sensation or idea, intention of loving kindness. And it might be that the next meditation practice I'm going to introduce is better suited. It might be. You can explore this for yourself. So what's something else we can do that when we find that our mind's slipping into this? Can we have this idea of practicing generosity? So instead of trying to control and make them happy and healthy, can this be like we're, we're giving a gift, a gift of our well-wishing, a gift of our goodwill. That's it. We're just giving it away, giving it away, giving it away, giving it away. And that way, if we, there's just maybe this expansiveness without any particular outcome, but just this sense of generosity. Right? Generosity itself kind of has that same quality of openness and well-being often. So that's maybe a third thing to do. One, maybe practice mindfulness. Two, allow it to be there in the background, but maybe choosing a different being, some generic being that we maybe don't know so well. Three, adopt an attitude of generosity. Bring either bring that to mind, or have a like specific acts of generosity you've done, or maybe just use that uh, as a the tone, the attitude in which you're practicing loving kindness. The same idea of um, um, generosity is maybe to kind of do another practice of gratitude. Maybe we switch our practice to just think like the gratitude for good things that we, um, experiences that we've had, the opportunity that we even have this opportunity to practice loving kindness, that we have this teaching on how to increase, cultivate, grow, develop loving-kindness in our lives. Gratitude that, that all of us have so many things to be, have uh, gratitude for. If we think about this, right? Gratitude for um, the weather, whatever the weather is. If it's raining here in California, we're so happy. And if it's sunny, we're so happy. <laughs> At least I am, right? Whatever the weather is, I feel like, oh, it's great. So that's, I forgot, lost count here, but that might be the fourth thing to do is just to um, cultivate gratitude. And it may be that we just switch over to gratitude for a few moments, a few minutes, or maybe just for the rest of the duration of our meditation practice. Again, the intention here is to cultivate this sense of sincere wish of love, goodwill, warmth, respect, care, as opposed to doing particular practices. So use, you know, what your experience is as a way to guide you in this. Of like when it's time to maybe try a different practice and when it's time to move back. So I say this recognizing this is not so easy. It's often not easy to be doing one practice and to realize, oh, wait, um, this isn't quite going the way that I want to go. I'm going to do this other thing. Because what can happen, 
do practice A, oh no, wait, I better do practice B, oh wait, I better do practice C, back to A and then B and then C. So notice if that's happening. I'm offering things to work with this, tools to use, to put in your toolkit. And then we'll bring this attitude of exploration or experiment to figure out which tools to use in different ways. Again, this recognition that maybe just making a commitment to one way, that in itself will um, provide some benefits too. So now I'd like us to do a different type of uh, guided meditation that maybe um, helps work with some of these um, hindrances, the one of um, desire. That's the one that I just talked about now. Um, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just leave that for there for now. There's lots of um, other kind of hindrances, and maybe I'll take this up as a theme for a little bit in um, a happy hour that I'm doing in the, on Wednesday evenings, and if you're interested, you can listen to those recordings. So, as an alternative to doing this, the more um, classical way of doing loving-kindness practice that I led us to before, we're just going to use the power of imagination, which in some ways we're using in the other meditation practice too, when we bring to mind a lovable being. That's an imagination practice too. So now we're just going to expand and build on that and imagine in a different way. Okay, so I'm going to take a sip of water here. Yeah, so we can get into a comfortable posture, one that supports alertness, uprightness, that suggests our sincere intention to cultivate loving kindness and at the same time has ease. And again, we'll start with a few long, slow, deep breaths. I like to start my meditation practice the same way with these deep breaths. It's a little mini ritual. Feeling the exaggerated movements of the body with this exaggerated breathing. And just like we did with our earlier guided meditation, Just rest our awareness on the sensations of breathing. Can we tune into the bodily, physical, felt experience of breathing?
when the mind slips off the object, we just very simply, very gently return to the sensations of breathing. Right now, there's nothing else to do, nowhere else to be. We're just here, the sensations of breathing. So now, take a look into your inner household, so to speak, and see whether there are any guests whose names are desire, clinging, grasping, worry, grief, doubt, fear. If so, just very politely ask them to leave. They can come back later if they'd like, but right now we're just going to very politely ask them to step out. Because today, right now, in our inner household, we're going to celebrate with our friends, our friends of happiness, warmth, joy, love, care, respect, connection. We're inviting all these into our inner household. So we can show show out the desire, anger, fear, and invite in happiness, warmth, joy. Now, imagine that you have a fountain in your heart. A fountain of love. The water of this fountain is bubbling up and spreading out. Every drop of water that comes out of this fountain is a drop of love. This fountain in our heart 
the water, this love, has a beautiful appearance. It might feel a certain temperature, might have a certain feeling or texture, these water drops, these love drops. Let yourself be filled by that fountain of love. Let it bubble up and overflow out of your heart into your entire body. When the mind wanders, simply bring it back to this visualization, this idea, this imagination of this fountain of love bubbling away in your heart, just pouring out drops of love. However you imagine that, however you experience that. Relax into this visualization. There's no need to strain. Allow it to be pleasant. Allow it to be fun. Maybe there's gurgling sounds. Perhaps there are sensations in the body associated with this gurgling, bubbling, overflowing fountain of love. If so, you can use these feelings to support you, nourish you. We can also come back to these sensations, these feelings in the body to support our cultivation of this feeling of love. We have this fountain of love drops. Spread that feeling of love till it pervades your body. You can take your time with this. We're not forcing anything. Just very, very gently allowing, making room for it to grow, to fill in the nooks and crannies of our experience.
Imagine that you are standing under the fountain and these drops of love cover you completely. You're in a shower of There's no need to be disheartened or anxious if impatience, annoyance, or fear arises. Simply see. (coughs) Simply see if you can return to the visualization. There's no need for guilt or judgment or self-recrimination. We're just coming back to this fountain of love. You may know that the heart of meditation is the ability to begin again over and over again. Doesn't matter how many times. So now, Let this fountain become powerful enough so that its drops of love can fall into the heart of those dearest to you. Let it be a beautiful fountain in movement and appearance. Let it be powerful so that the drops can go right into their hearts. Maybe there's one person Maybe there's a collection. The drops that come out of this fountain bring a sense of ease and happiness, joy to them. But the source of the fountain remains in your heart. Let this fountain of love remain in your heart to refresh and strengthen you, support you, nourish you.
And then to end this meditation, feel the pressure of the ground or the chair or the cushion against your body. Feel your feet on the ground. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. That was a very different type of meditation. One that, you know, is, has some creativity, maybe a little bit of, uh, not a little bit, a lot of just fantasy. But it can be playful and fun as a way to, okay, what what um, what is supportive of cultivating or having this experience of well-being and love and happiness? And it may be an acquired taste, and it may be an acquired practice, or it may feel like, oh, this was so much easier than all this other business of saying phrases and uh, just doing this visualization. Different people have different uh, ways they relate to this and different um, facility with uh, having a visualization and kind of like keeping that going. Some people may feel like a strain and some people may feel like just good old-fashioned fun and uh, kind of like a joyful feeling. So I'd love to hear from you. How was that to kind of like do this um, visualization practice? What experiences did you have? How was it compared to the other ones? If you're, or that, that meditation we did earlier. And anything else you'd like to share? So Mary, there's a um, microphone behind you and there's one up here if, anybody can bring you on. Thank you. Uh, when you first talked about doing this, I was convinced I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> but um, it was very helpful to me because coming from a, a Christian tradition, I was used to praying to somebody to do something. Oh. And it's it was not me, I was praying for assistance, you know, and and so it's easy to slip into that, that I am asking for assistance from some being somewhere to do, to help or whatever. And um, so with the words and stuff, I feel like, like it's me doing it or I'm asking assistance, you know. Um, with this, it was like, it was a relief. Um, and I felt, I felt like it was coming from within me. I didn't have to depend on another being to come forth and do whatever. And But I really wasn't doing anything. Um, I mean, it was just like, it was also helpful to... Um, to generate and nurture those feelings that I've had before that kind of just came up. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yes, uh, you know. So um, 
this was very helpful to me, and I've never done it that way before. And I'm always grappling with what words am I going to use and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Is it the fountain? I don't know what to do next (laughs) is the thing. You know, but anyway, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome, Mary. Yeah, so I think that for all these practices, and um, maybe I'll take this opportunity to say that there's two handouts um, there on the stage, and one was written by Gil, but the Brahman Vaharas, and there he talks about this idea that ideas of love and kindness, it just goes out more and more and more, so these drops of love maybe would uh, fall on or pierce the hearts of more and more and more people. This is one way to do that, something like this, including, you know, until you get to all beings. And in the same way, what we did um, earlier before with the phrases, we would get to uh, all beings. But here I'm going to emphasize, we're just going to start here where it's easy and just get used to it, get some facility. You could spend decades just doing it here where it's easy. There's no absolute requirement to just keep on expanding it. What you might find is that things just naturally want to expand. It just might happen without you um, intentionally um, having that, setting that intention to have it grow or expand. But I'm delighted to hear this, Mary, that sometimes, right, words and language gets, we get, uh, have associations where if this kind of playful, fun imagination is... And, and the idea of the droplets going into the people, that was easy to imagine. You know, and I didn't have to say anything, or it was just like, yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I was really surprised, actually, I was really surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I have the mic. I'm V. Hi, V. Um, So I, I like the image of the fountain. It was something that was playful and light and and you know how the water could drench you as well and so you could bathe bask in this uh quality whatever it is you're thinking of um and i but i had a really hard time connecting with love like loving kindness so i dropped into like stillness or peace or something that felt more like that and i is that okay i mean i don't Yes, yes, that's absolutely okay. And then as the practice develops, and if if we um, start to say, well, we want these droplets to fall onto more and more people, there may be a sense of goodwill or kind of peace that pervades them, or I don't know, there might be a little bit more sense of warmth there, but it's um, perfectly fine to just have this feeling of peace and ease. Thank you, V. Well, it's 3.01, so I want to respect everybody's time. I'll stay here if there's um, any more questions. Otherwise, there's um, two handouts and an invitation to practice this week with um, and explore different phrases, doing different visualizations, um, maybe a combination of them, get started with one and switch to the other or something like this, as well as to do it in daily life. Um, there's formal meditation practice and as well as um, waiting for a stoplight the line at the market maybe we could just do a little bit of loving kindness for ourselves or for those around us so thank you may you all have droplets of safety (laughs) happiness health and ease
Thank you.